they were telling us about how blessed they were to sit by somebody in church and their children were singing. <clears throat> and that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're hoping. You'll sing it with them at home and they'll sing, them, sing it with the church. This week, uh, the, the song is Ancient Words. Tom, could you lead us in that at the end of the service? <laughs> so we're singing Ancient Words this next week. That's the, uh, that's the hymn of the week and probably I'll help you, Tom. How about that? I'll bail you out. And, and y'all are all praying, right? Y'all won't be able to concentrate on the message with the thought of hearing Tom and I sing ancient words at the end of service. But anyway, so uh, and we're, we're going to try to sing on every time we come together, we're going to try to sing that, that hymn this week, and uh, we're, we're going to see how that uh, helps us. So uh, Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. Uh, we've looked at the text. I've read the text. I'm going to introduce the text, and then we're, we're going to get into the text. So today we begin to look at chapter 23. Not many chapters left in Matthew. In verses 1 through 12, Christ tells us to heed the teaching and the doctrine of the Pharisees, but not their example. Now, get that, okay? Uh, I just want to tell you up front, you don't want to be in a church. You don't want to listen to somebody on the Internet that you can't, that you wouldn't be willing to follow their example also. You don't have to do that. And there's a lot of false teachers out there. Uh, somebody was at, somebody. I was telling somebody else the uh, other day about Michelle Leslie, and, and they said, can you send me that uh, group of false teachers that she's called out? I said, no, but you can just go to her website, and that's going to be one of the things you pull up, and you, you can see who, what women she has called out as false teachers. And you can find out who the false teachers are and who they're not. But you want to follow some body that not only speaks the word, but lives the word also. Amen? Y'all with me? But in the case of the Pharisees and the religious leaders this time, Jesus said, look, you need to listen to what they do, but you don't need to follow the example that they do. In particular, the Pharisees had a great problem with pride and ambition. It was all about them. Pride and ambition. Then we'll get into verse 13 next week, and we'll begin to look at eight woes. Eight woes that he spoke to these men. Now, Jesus is, this is the last time he's going to preach in the temple. This is the last time that he's going to publicly preach. And so he has, he has decided that he's going to call them out. He is going to tell the truth about them. Because he already knows that they're going to do what? Crucify him. And he calls them out. So we begin a chapter that warns against false teachers and a discussion of doctrine versus practice of these teachers. And what you want is somebody that has proper doctrine and also the right example, the right practice. These are the last words spoken by Jesus in the temple. And we have open, public exposure of teachers of the law and Pharisees. Now look, 
There's a lot of that going on today. Tom and I were having a discussion about somebody uh, yesterday. And, and uh, one, some people have the ministry of calling out false teachers. And you, you really need to have one of those people that you have confidence in and pay attention to what they're saying. Because there's a lot of false teachers out there. And this guy's Justin Peters. He's in a wheelchair, much the same way that David uh, Miller's uh, situation is. And he is a terrific uh, expositor of Scripture. And he calls out false teachers. We need men like that. This is an open rebuke of their doctrine. Because sometimes their doctrine was too harsh. And also of their practice. And Jesus knows that his time is short. And he doesn't hold back calling out the teachers of the Jews at this time. He knew that he'd be leaving his followers like sheep among wolves. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that he's been with his followers and he knows who and what he's leaving them to? Sheep among wolves. He warns them plainly about false teachers that surrounded them. And I want to tell you, you're probably more exposed to false teachers than they were because you're getting it from everywhere. TV, the Internet, you are exposed to it. And you need to understand that, that just because they're on the Internet, just because they're on TV, doesn't mean that they have sound doctrine. The entire chapter is an encouragement to all to be bold and faithful in calling out false teaching. Don't put up with it. Call it out. We have another lesson in which Jesus teaches us that the most loving heart can give strong reproof. Look, uh, somebody can probably quote the scripture. I, 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 haven't, I, haven't, I haven't came across it in the last few days and I will it because it's one of the scriptures I have memorized. But you know, you, you really love somebody when you speak the truth to them. Now look, we are living in a society of open, willful, known, and rebellious sin. Well, here's the most loving person that ever walked the face of the earth the Lord Jesus Christ calling people out. If you love your loved ones, if you love your friends, if I love my loved ones and I love my friends, I've got to figure out a way to gently and lovingly call them out from their known and willful sin. And I know for many of you, that is not your nature. You know what? That doesn't let you off the hook. We have another lesson in which Jesus teaches us what we must do. He clearly teaches us that there will always be unfaithful teachers among us as long as we're here. This should be a strong warning, listen to me, this should be a strong warning to teachers, preachers, youth teachers, children teachers, 
teachers of any sort, warning preachers and teachers of the gospel that we must be sure that our doctrine and our actions square with the Word of God. Matthew 7, 22 and 23 is scary for preachers. Look, the verse, four, the verse before it, Matthew 7, 21, should be scary to all. You know what it says? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's scary. And I can tell you there's an America full of people that say, I believe in God, that he will say to, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers, because they don't know Jesus. But the next verse is for teachers and preachers. And 722 says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many great miracles? Haven't I been something, Lord? And then he will say to them, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. This is strong evidence to us that not just any sincere practice, any doctrine, any faith will do. Y'all hear that? People have compared religion to a mountaintop with many roads that lead to getting to the top. Let me say that again. People have compared religion to a mountaintop with heaven on top and many roads getting there. That's not what God's Word says. It's a narrow path. It's a restricted path. Jesus did not accept these misconceptions. Jesus nowhere suggests that just any faith will do. I believe John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, no one comes to heaven except through me. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Believing in Him, trusting in Him, embracing Him, loving Him, following Him. There's no other way. Jesus is the only way. Now, just be sincere. Just be sincere in what you believe. That's, that's kind of a common thought today. Well, just be sincere in what you believe. I'm going to tell you, those people are going to be sadly mistaken on the day of judgment. You've got to be sincere in embracing Christ. So we see here Jesus' warning exposures going public. Today, the warning is, this is your first fill-in-the-blank. Y'all got your notes out. You're taking notes, right? Okay. So here's your first fill-in-the-blank. Today, the warning is this. Beware of false teachers. Beware of false teachers. So let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. All right, so let's look at that a little closer. Jesus gives us here a good example of public 
street preaching. Y'all with me? So he is there. His apostles are there. The common people are there. Now, nowhere do we know exactly for sure that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are there right then, but we do find out that they heard him preaching and they came around because he gets down in verse 13 and begins to direct them. Listen, there's no, there's no shame, especially for preachers, to preach from the street corners. There's no shame in that. There's no shame for you to get on your soapbox at work and preach, especially when they've asked you a question. Don't miss an opportunity, amen, to talk about Jesus. Now, these pe people and these teachers had a position of a authority. Listen, they had a very important place of authority. Listen to what it says. The scribes and the Pharisees sit where? On Moses' seat. Well, everybody knows what Moses was. He was a prophet. So they, they weren't Moses. They weren't necessarily prophets, but they, were, they had that position. They had a position of authority. Look what James 3.1 says. This is, I, I mean, should we not talk to our teachers about this verse? And I think we do. Should we not talk to young preachers about this scripture? Look at James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be do what? Judged the greater strictness. I will be judged in a way that you will not be judged. Tom will. Pablo will. Bob and Nella will. Jeannie will. Lewis and Laura will. All the adult teachers will be judged more strictly because we are occupying an important position of teachers of God's Word, dealing with people's souls. So you think you ought not pray for us? So what he said was, do what they say when it lines up with the law and the prophets. That's what he's telling this group. You don't have the best examples, but when they, what they're saying lines up with the prophets, law and the prophets, do it. Now look, we're coming to a very serious thing to consider here just, just for a second. So I want you to hang on to this thought, begin to get your mind going. Preachers, so he's saying, don't follow preachers and teachers. Don't live the way they live if they're not living what they preach. I've already told you, you don't have to put up with that. Now, let me just tell you what scares, scares me to death about uh, TV preachers, radio preachers, internet preachers. I'm, I'm talking about I know people that follow these people. I know people that follow these people that won't even listen to my sermon when they miss it. Here's the danger. That guy may be taking money or he may be sleeping with somebody else's wife. And they don't even know it. And especially in today's time, these people were prideful and they were ambitious. And that's what a lot of preachers are. We're all prideful. Every man is prideful. 
Probably preachers are worse prideful than the common man. And if we're not careful, we'll be ambitious. What's that all mean? Does that mean money? Well, yeah, it could mean money, but it also could be we're ambitious to have what? A bigger church and more people, more baptisms. And that can lead to false teaching. Be careful that you've checked them out before following their examples. Be careful about putting yourself under bad preaching or teaching. Listen, be, so we, we got a little booklet here. I want you to get it. It's really good. Keeping your children, keeping children in church. Listen, you need to be careful where your kids go to church with other people. Do not follow the example of a bad man, a bad preacher, or a bad teacher. The sitting in the seat of Moses did not signify succession to Moses. All right, we could go, we could carry that on. Nobody are successor to the apostles. Nobody's or none of these people were successors of Moses. But we do have leadership in the church, teachers in the church, that are given the same authority as the apostles because of the position they have. Y'all with me? We looked at that in, in chapter 18, and that was such a good teaching, and I'm not sure we shouldn't have spent more time there, but it's, it's good teaching. Moses had no successor, but there's some people that had to teach after he was gone. There's not another Moses. But there would be others who would deliver and interpret the doctrine and the law of Moses. How about the prophets? How about the modern day teachers? They interpret and deliver doctrine and the law. But then in today, the law of God, nor the word of God, listen, then the word of God, the law of God, today the, the word of God, the law of God, today, that's not the problem. That wasn't the problem back then. You with me? So I want you to get this. Some people have a falling out with the Word of God because of some preacher. We've got to fight against that. There's nothing wrong with this. It could be misinterpreted. The person who is interpreting could interpret correctly and live a bad life. The problem doesn't lie in this Word. So, you can disrespect the preacher... You probably need to be careful about disrespecting the position and you sure need to be careful about disrespecting the Word. And that's the warning that he gives here today. Don't let the law of God nor the Word of God be disrespected nor despised because of whoever reads it and delivers it. Colossians 2.8 See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy, empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Listen to me. Let me, let me, let me give you a good, good philosophy. If I can't show it to you in the Scripture, we got a problem. 
Y'all with me? If, if somebody's trying to teach you something, they can't show it to you in the Scripture, they got a problem. Because we can all have opinions, and we can all have philosophy, right? Just show me the Word. Just show me what the Scripture says. Augustine said this about this particular teaching. The scribes taught the law of God while they sat in the chair of Moses. And therefore, the sheep ought to hear the voice of the shepherd as understudies. They had a requirement because of where they sat in the seat of Moses, and they were reading the law and the scripture, that sheep had a responsibility to hear. But let me tell you Augustine's next statement. Listen to this. God therefore teaches by them, but if they wish to teach anything of their own, refuse to hear, refuse to do. Yeah. So I want to put some responsibility for what's preached from this pulpit on you. On you. That you make sure that I'm not preaching my opinion up here. And you ought to put that same, oh surely, we ought to put that same responsibility on any other preacher we listen to. Just show me the word. Philosophy that goes against the word must be clearly rejected and anyone that's presenting it rebuked. Listen. We have turned a world upside down with some ill-begotten philosophy and falsely validated philosophy. The world has been turned upside down by a lie. And the lie is that children come here with same-sex attraction. That is a lie. They have the studies that they did in 1945 and in the mid-1950s, they lied about their findings. Just show me in the Word that two men are to be attracted to one another and to get married and live together as husband and wife. Just show me in the Word. It's all based upon a lie that a little boy came here with a physical male body and he ought to have been a girl. That is a lie. But we, we I'm talking about... we're. We have turned the world upside down with those two thoughts. You know what they figured out? If you hear it long enough, you're going to believe it. So quit hearing it. Verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They laid them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So you know what that's talking about? The elders and the teachers, they give you all these do's, 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 don'ts, 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 and then they go about doing it like they want to do it. 
So we could say read your Bible, study your lesson, teach your children, family worship. We could just go on and on and on, couldn't we? And what hypocrites we would be if we didn't do it ourselves. Amen? He blames them that their own lives no way answered their doctrine. My life ought to reflect my doctrine. And you ought to be able to see it. I ought not to be one that does this, should I? Huh? Because that's not our doctrine. Our doctrine's God's sovereign. He's providential. And we trust. He also blames them for the rigid pressing of the law in all the minute things. The crossing, the T, and the dot in the I, and, and tithing on, uh, Lewis, you got, I, I mean, you've got to bring the church a tenth of everything you get out of that garden, especially that, uh, that mint that you're growing and those little, uh, these little spices over here. That's what they were pressing. To the minute detail of those things that they could do and be seen in doing it. Teaching and demanding that more be done by the common folks than they were willing to do. Did y'all hear that? You don't need a preacher. You don't need an elder. You don't need deacons that are not willing to do more than you do without having the title. Good teachers will be faithful in delivering the whole counsel of God's Word. They will demand no more than they are willing to do and practice. And they do all they do with great tenderness and compassion, concern. They take into account both the law and the gospel. They heed Matthew 12, 20, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. We're, we're, we're gentle and kind with the new people in Christ. Verse 5. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. So even the good they do is not credited to their account because they're doing it for the wrong reason. Why? Okay, you know what phylacteries were? They were little boxes. They had a little box that went up here. They had a little box that went here, okay? Well, you can imagine how big the box was that went up here and how the big box was they carried the arm around like this, right? Because that's where they kept all those important scriptures that they could get out and look at, okay? Those are the phylacteries. And then they, they had these long robes, right? And not only were the robes long, but they had fringes on the bottom of it. And so with these guys, they didn't just have regular fringe. They had fringe that hung to the ground, and it had pretty colors in it. Now, what was all that about? Look at me. Man, I got all that scripture. I got it in big old boxes on my forehead and on my wrist. Look at this robe I got on. Because they wanted to be seen by who? Men, that's what the scripture says. Matthew 6, 1 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, 
For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you go about saying, look, look what I have done, you just got your reward. That's pretty plain Southern Arkansas language, right? If you have to be seen, you draw attention to what you've done. Don't, re- don't think about getting any rewards up there. It's gonna, it's, you just got it. We need to practice deflection. You know what that means? You need to give somebody else credit. No, let me take that back. You need to give God credit. And we need to give others credit. It scares me to death when I see men in Walmart. I, the last time I saw them, they weren't in Walmart. And I see them in Walmart, and here's what they say. The first thing they say, Pastor Bruce, Brother Bruce, I'm doing so good. That just makes me shake in my feet. But you know, that's what the world's teaching them. They've te- they're being taught that they did something really significant. And I can tell you, we don't save ourselves. We don't change ourselves. We don't give ourselves new natures. We don't, for- we don't forgive ourselves. We need to give God all the credit and take none of ourselves. I, I tell them all the time, I said, look, when you get out of here, you just need to, if your life continues to be changed, you just need to go about talking about what God's doing. And so should we. We should be talking about what God is doing. He blames them for doing what good things they did to be seen by men. They were engrossed in their rituals while neglecting their moral duties. Piety Devotion to God, love for God, moral duties, they forgot that. They were doing the little things that people could see. So why did God command these? Why the phylacteries and why the the long robes? Because he had a purpose, and it was for a purpose for them remembering how important scriptures were. He did it that they may see and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them while attempting to not be seen by men. Do you know how... You know, that's what we ought to be doing. We need to do, we need to do all that we're doing and do our best to, to do it without being noticed. Verse 6, And they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi with others. When they went to a meeting, They wanted to be on the podium. They wanted everybody there to know that they were on the podium. He only blames here the Pharisees' ambition. He blames their focus on the the little things and their focus on their own honor and glory. It's never good when we're seeking our own honor and glory. Verse 8. You're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. So I just just found this in the the last couple of days. This being called rabbi uh, was something that was pretty new to the time of Jesus. It had just came up. It had become a big thing for teachers of the law and these religious leaders to be called rabbi. So he's addressing that. Now I want you to hear really close 
closely this teaching because I think people uh, can, get, can get off track here. All right, first of all, listen to this. Honor is earned and not demanded. Are y'all, anybody here this morning? Honor is earned and not demanded. Our Savior does not forbid in this teaching the giving of titles of masters and fathers to His ministers. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through the gospel. Who was that speaking of that? Paul was. Paul gave himself the title of father. He called the Galatians his little children. He called Timothy his son. And he called himself a doctor of the Gentiles. So if that's the case, what's, what's Paul speaking about here? Are you listening? Here's what he was speaking about. Jesus is speaking of this. There should be no prideful desire and love for titles. Y'all with me? Somebody call me pastor, I don't need to get puffed up in that. And I tell you, I love for people to call me pastor. Whatever your affectionate name for me is, or maybe out there, your unaffectionate name for me, when, when, when people call me pastor or preacher, I love it. But it would be wrong for me to demand it. So he's speaking of this, a prideful desire and love for such titles. We've said it in this church for 30 years. Did you know we're about to celebrate our 30th anniversary? What have we said for 30 years? If you have to have the title... Before you do the job, you probably don't need the job. Number two, making it a requirement to be addressed with a title. Y'all with me? If, if I just absolutely said, you're going to call me Pastor Bruce or Preacher, that would be wrong to demand it of you. And thirdly, demanding that things be believed because I said it. Now, have we all used that with our kids? Y'all know that. Why do I have to do that? And you, you're finally frustrated and you just say, because I said it. Will that work for the preacher? No. <laughs> it won't work for the preacher. It won't work for the husband either. Did y'all hear that? No. <laughs> so, all right, so we get those. He all, he's speaking of this because of a prideful desire and love for such titles, a requirement to be addressed with the title, demanding that things be believed because I said it. Now, now we'll tell you this truth. Are y'all ready? The truth is God alone is the Father of all men. That's the basic truth. Right? But we all have fathers, right? We all have fathers in the faith. We all have sons in the faith, right? Christ alone is our master. Ministers of Christ are here to do one thing. Publish the will of God. 
We're not to be looked upon as masters and fathers so that we may impose our will on you. Romans 14.10. Man, you talk about a good scripture. This is a good scripture for any of us. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, preachers, teachers, elders, and people. Romans 14.10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Are you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Verse 11. This, I could read this first part of verse 11, and we could quit right here. You've heard this before, right? The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Man, you talk about some truth. If you haven't, guys, if you haven't figured out it, if you haven't figured that scripture out yet, just get a little prideful and God's got a way of teaching. Let me read that again. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be, y'all follow along there. Whoever exalts himself will be humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Matthew Poole, a man is no physician of the soul who thinks himself too high or too great to be a servant in the church. Wow, Yo, that is so good. I want you to hear it again. Is it in your notes? It's not, is it in your notes? Good, I'm glad it's in your notes. Matthew Poole says, a man is no physician of the soul who thinks himself too high or too great to be a servant in the church. I can tell you the story. I, I'm sure Charles Spurgeon told it. I don't know who, who else told it. But some young person kept coming around the preacher. I want to preach. I want to preach. I want to preach. So evidently, whoever it was didn't think he was ready yet. So he finally came around one day and said, I want to preach. I want to preach. So the preacher goes over, he's ready. He opens up his uh, little uh, uh, cabinet door or his door to the little storage building. He gets out a yard rake and he gets out a trash bag and says, go pick up leaves in the yard. Y'all with me? Let me read that again. <clears throat> A man is no physician of the soul who thinks himself too high or too great to be a servant in the church. 1 Peter 1, 5, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, one of the greatest scriptures. Matter of fact, <laughs> do y'all know the first sermon I ever preached? On humility. <laughs> so one of my mentors... <laughs> One of my mentors, I don't know if somebody asked him or I asked him, I said, are you going to come hear my sermon? He said, no. That's, somebody said, well, why? And he said, because he don't know nothing about humility. That's the truth. I mean, one, a guy that 
He's, he was 17 years older than me. He's, he's dead and gone. He was a great guy. You really ought to know something about humility before you preach on it. And I didn't know much about humility then. And, and, and listen to me. I'm telling you, it, you, I don't believe I'm the only man that struggles with it. I struggle with pride. So you know how to pray for me. You, you know, I've told you all before, sometimes you're just, you're just so prideful that you know you're prideful. That's how, that's how wicked pride is. Here's another good, good statement. A real man of God will think no work in the church too low for him to do. Let me say it again. A real man of God will think no work in the church is too low for him. You know what that means? If, if you're too high and too prideful to clean the toilets, you're probably not cut out for God's work in the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. Here's what the philosophy of a man of God ought to be. If it needs done and I can do it, I'll get about doing it. So here's the summary. Some more fill in the blanks. Y'all bring a pen next week. I didn't want to take time to hand them out this morning. I didn't read the first Peter. Okay, let's go back and I'll read first Peter. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Young men... Did you know what you used to do when a person, an adult came in the room? You know what young men, young people used to do? They used to stand up. Did you know that used to, when an adult came in the room, the kids shut their mouths? Let me read that scripture again. Likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders. I, want, I tell you. Young people, wow, you need to learn to be submissive to your parents, to people in authority, because God put those people there so you'd learn to be submissive to Him. Close yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You need more grace. I need more grace. We need to be more humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You know, there's, there's another scripture that says when you go to that meeting and you want to be on the podium, okay, and what they say is, you don't want to put yourself up on the podium, and then they have to come take you off the podium and put you down where you belong, right? Here's, your, here's what you do. You sit back there where Mark's sitting, and if they want you up here on the podium, they come back there and get you. That's the attitude we ought to have. And then we ought to, we be, ought to be reluctant to go up there, right? Summary. Jesus has been addressing the people and the apostles. Now, next week, the Pharisees show up again, and he gets after them. Jesus has been addressing the people and the apostles. We are not to follow any teacher who sets a bad example. The people were being asked to do things the leaders themselves would not do. These leaders were proud and attention seekers. 
They wanted recognized and esteemed. The greatest in the church are those willing to serve others. Those who humble themselves to serve others will be exalted at just the right time. You know the time for us to be exalted? When he looks at us and says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. If he did it any sooner than that, we'd all get puffed up with pride, wouldn't we? So, is your goal and desire to be served or to serve? It ought to be to serve. Right? Who's the greatest in the church? The servants. Where is your place of service in the church? Yeah. A person ought to always be... Listen. There ought to be people always looking for a job. Looking for a place of service. Let us remember, when we start looking for teachers and elders, we look for men who are already servants. May God bless you. You've been very kind and you've been very attentive. Um.